Welcome to Weeaboo Hell. It's it's really Weeaboo Hell this week. It is really Weeaboo Hell this week. Because without hyperbole, I think I can say that this week we watched the worst show and best movie that have even been mentioned on this show, I think. Maybe. There's still a little bit of debate, which we'll get to, about whether this is indeed the worst property we have visited on this show thus far. Alright, so yeah, we'll start negative. We'll start with the TV show we watched this week, which was, um... Let me make sure I get this title just right. Let me pull this up on the old uh, cell phone. Before we get into it, there's been some amount of discussion about this show. Some amount of... (sighs) Discourse. Oh, that's your favorite word. And we're just, uh... This is just one more hot take for the, uh... For the hot take pot, certainly, but... Yeah, it's a bit like after a natural disaster. You know, you talk about who didn't maintain the levees. Is the mayor's fault? Is it FEMA's fault? Really, I think we've got sort of a human condition thing going on at this show, but um, let me drop the title in here, and I've been out of the loop for a bit, work stuff, education stuff, etc. So I was unaware of the wonderful oh, train the, wreck. the existence of this show? Yeah, yeah. not me. I, uh, I didn't think that I was going to have to actually watch it, but here we are. My life is quantifiably worse for it. Yeah, yeah, um, what's the Jim Jeffries quote? This is me now, this is you now. You watch shows like this. And the name of this show is Do You Love Your Mom and Her Two Hit Multi Target Attacks? This show came to my attention uh, via <laughs> Animemes. So if any of you are listening right now, um, go fuck yourself. I hate you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you did the... this to me. This is the first time a subreddit has really weeps. directly made this guy's life worse, right? Yeah, totally the first time. <laughs> I mean, there's worse things than it turning you into the sort of double hardcore communist creature you are now. Like, you could have fallen into some kind of, I don't know, nice guy red pill hole or something. I did for a second there in college. I'm, I guess this is better. Yeah, yeah, but we put you through psychic theme- chemotherapy for that one. I don't remember it, but that probably, that maybe that was part of it. Oh, I remember. We did a whole fucking clockwork orange thing for you. Christ. Um, yeah, so let's jump in here. Um, I've been drinking just a little bit because uh, it makes it hurt a little bit less. He's still drinking. He's still drinking. Existence he- in general in this show in particular. Uh, where, where, do we, where do we start here? Um, where do we start? It's an isekai. This is Milf Isekai. I'm not calling it by its title. Um, fuck you. I'm not doing it. <laughs> um, it's it's called Milf Isekai, and uh, five minutes in, you... I know people like calling it Milf Isekai, but that's imprecise because it could be, like, someone else's mom. It's very important that you understand that this is oh, no. your mom, it's your Isekai. Mom. It's your mom because the main character, is it, it, it's you, again, except they, they, they try to do this thing where they make him kind of shitty the way that Kazuma is in uh, the inimitable Konosuba, um, the the one isekai I've ever liked because it's just the Seinfeld version of it. No, they try to make him kind of shitty. He'll like occasionally make cracks or whatever, but they cannot hide how little they wrote this guy. And no, it's, it's still just, you know, I'm you kind of on an adventure in imp- Dragon Quest. Are you I, having fun yet? Again? I am impressed how thinly sketched he and his mom are from the outset to... Okay, normally we watch at least three episodes going into a oh, TV premise. show. Oh, premise. It's an isekai. 
cool. We're we're uh, we're all caught up oh, here. Fun. Oh, except oh, no, no, uh, the except delivery. His... The delivery is way worse than that. Except his mom is here. Uh, cool. They are sitting around their living room, having the conversation they have for the rest of this anime, with him saying, "I am mildly discontented," and her saying, "My breasts are the size of watermelons." And then a government functionary knocks on the door and tells them, "You're going to Isekai World." <laughs> and at this point. Sam almost punches the screen, which I'm glad he doesn't, because we watched this on my laptop. For my part, I start giggling like a small child. Probably the second biggest laugh I got while I was watching this program. We'll get to the number one later. We'll get to the number one. It was... I I laughed, too. So I can't say that I got a zero number of endorphins from this thing's existence, because I at least had those two moments. So it got me thinking about... No, I don't necessarily argue against this show's existence because it's more of a symptom than a problem itself. But it is a really depressing symptom, certainly. Yeah, as far as um, trends collapsing in on themselves, this is less of a scary movie where it starts a bunch of terrible shit and it's more like Meet the Spartans when a bunch of terrible shit has been coagulating for a while. This show reminds me of the first five to seven minutes of you know a certain genre of Pornhub videos mm. yeah the uh the classic uh spank bang front page and man i am really impressed at how this show has a weird way of zooming through everything where you could maybe do something interesting and then slowing down a crawl during all the things you've seen before like it's because it's playing it being character driven so um the whole the whole thing here, right? Uh, we were kind of spoon-fed this uh, throughout the first couple of episodes, is that uh, there's a... Uh, you're in Dragon Quest? The, the, you're in Dragon Quest, except you're with your mom, because the whole point of Dragon Quest uh, this week is that you're supposed to get closer with, with your mom. It's supposed to, it's supposed to um, encourage you to develop a better, closer relationship with your mom which is weird not just for all the just sexual seems... text subtext stuff but weird because he gets closer to his mom in the first episode like they resolve the question oh i'm not being that nice to my mom i wish my son was being nicer to me they high five they done, kill a bunch done, of monsters are we done done can we leave now no oh okay yeah so they, uh, they piloted that point a little too hard and now everything is kind of pointless there are two I basic know why. gags. You, you do know what, yeah, yeah. There are two basic gags in this show. The first appears to be that his mom is as like dumb as a pencil. Like, oh yeah, no, that's the first one. Yeah. She's as dumb as a pencil. She, I think, she must have paid for their home by like stripping paint off of buildings for people <laughs> with her like, teeth. Clearly, and. Every line of dialogue that comes out of her mouth is some variation of cooking, shopping, son, sad. I remember being immensely insulted by this whole thing. And then it occurred to me, oh man, if I find this insulting. So then I called my girlfriend in. Yeah, I think we got a, we clocked in a minute 30 seconds on that Yeah, one. she didn't get too far into this, guys. For the record, she is not unfamiliar with the genre and mechanics of trash, so it's sort of a special failure. She was smart. Smarter than me, though. She uh, she, she got about a minute in 
and then decided, no, I, I gain nothing from continuing to view this. This is insulting to me personally, to my, you know, to my, to my gender, to, to, to those who identify as anything. Honestly, I'm leaving. And then she went to bed. She's currently asleep. So I guess the first of the two or three jokes that this thing had is her being dumb as a post. The second of the jokes... She's, like, overpowered or something. Yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, in mom RPG world... And it's full of mom puns and this horrible thing... Oh, God, everything in this world... All the the proper nouns are mom. And it's, um... I get it. I get it. That's... I get the joke. It feels like a serial killer's psyche, but it's never brought to a text level or a subtext level that there's some... No, I swear to fucking God. I swear to fucking God. We're going to get eight episodes in, and then Mamako, that's the name of the mom, is going to just stare at the screen and tell me to fucking kill John Lynn. (laughs) (laughs) It's entirely possible. So yeah, she's super MLG, and... There are a lot of bad title drops, music, video games, anime, whatever. But this show has the worst title drop I've heard this year. In after she picks up her two glowing magic swords and what? You were only supposed to take one. <laughs> she kills a bunch of monsters after her son gets, I don't know, dragon quest erectile dysfunction in the middle of their big fight. And she asks her son, do you like your mom's dual target attacks? And I, I that's his head against the wall, God by the way. That's a very visual gag for this podcast. But I felt myself almost glitch out a little as my brain tried to defend itself. So I tried to just paper over that with other content. Like, say other things had happened in that stretch of time. I'm so tired, Denard. <laughs> he is so tired. <laughs> I'm so tired and defeated. And I hate Isekai. I hate Isekai so much. I hate the people who like it. It won't stop. It's like fucking trap. (laughs) It won't stop and I have to be subjected to it at least fucking twice every season. It has really dug in its trenches. Like, it's on some Ludendorff World War One shit. I thought for a second that it wanted to try and be interesting. Um, I was going to say again, but no, it was never particularly interesting. For the first time, you know, last season, or was it the season before? I don't know. The one with the the, the shield hero. That was that was almost kind of cool. I, I, I well, didn't end up liking it very much. The thing much, that happens God, is like... For fuck's sake, it tried. Good self-referential things open up the door to terrible. To bad self-referential things. things. No, absolutely. It's the uh, it's the difference between. It's like the difference between the World War Two movies and Inglorious Bastards, and getting testicular cancer. Okay, maybe that's me. Hold on, I can do better than that. It's the difference between. The World War Two movies looped within Inglorious Bastards, and finding out you have a brain to okay, I can do this. I promise. There's a metaphor for this that isn't just cancer. No, I've almost got it. Um, it's the difference between uh, crazy ex-girlfriend and date movie. 
There, yeah. here we go. There we go. Yeah, that is that is the line, and this is deep within the date movie Meet the Spartan spectrum. And by the way, it aspires to comedy. It does. It uh, it really wants you to be uh to be laughing. It's uh it's really it really wants to let you in on the joke here because it's uh it's trying to be cool. It's sitting on its chair the wrong way. Saying, "Listen, fellas." And I've got to give this. Let's sh- rap. I've got to um give this show something because like a lot of the shit that we've been dunking on has been bad action adventure on the show or bad titillation or just straight titillation but this is that feeling the pain of bad comedy in the oh anime it's also context, yeah no it's mostly bad comedy it's really also bad action was, really was unique it's also bad titillation and it's also bad action adventure but mostly it's just not fucking funny and it's boring holy shit it's so boring oh god they just talk that's the thing you're you're imagining just this storm of panty shots and you know clothing damage or whatever and oh god it's so fucking tiresome like oh yeah it's not a storm of anything that, the content is not dense enough that would have been tiresome just a lo- if it was that uh, but they no they 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 pepper that in and it sucks when it happens mm. uh, but mostly it's just boring just people talking for many minutes at a time and like it doesn't sound like much but in a 22 minute show when you spend three minutes talking about the fucking mechanics of how this video game works oh my (sighs) isekai is a genre for people who actually liked watching their friends play a video game in their basement (laughs) and not joining in themselves it's a strange form of cuckoldry i don't get it this show does a very special job of making the video game everything is fake, none of this matters problem. Worse than like an implicit plot problem they can sort of write your way around or add different stakes. Well, yeah, because every it, joke underlines that you should not care what is happening. You shouldn't care what's happening here. No, fake. because not only is it fake, they also kind of suck at it. Like everyone but the mom sucks at it and the mom kind of sucks at it. She kind of sucks at it too. No, they they it's because they want the stakes to be emotional. Like clearly they have to be, right? Because they definitely aren't personal. The stakes have to be emotional, but I don't care about any of these characters. In fact, I don't like them very much. And they don't really suffer enough for me to take pleasure in that. So what am I left with? I don't know. Nothing. The mom suffers because sometimes the son is mean to her for 45 seconds before we redo the growing together scene. And then presumably the show should end every time that this happens because they're just supposed to beat the game by growing together. But it's not. And in terms of titillation, first off, his mom looks like... I want to say 18. So unless there's some, like, groundbreaking stem cell research behind this kid's birth. Morgan came in and uh, asked if his mom was, in fact, his younger sister. Yeah, from the outside, it looked like an Emoto show, which is... I think that's an achievement, like, going for one uh, fetish I hate and... that Emoto show is a term. <laughs> it is a term. It's, it's just like a thing. It's just a shorthand that I can use and you can use and people will understand what it means because that's a thing that exists. Sorry. Anime is going to turn me into Tipper Gore within the next five years, and I don't like it, and I'm watching it happening to me. The genre of titillation in this is a bit like... I don't know how many of you are into pro wrestling, maybe even mildly because we keep coming back to it, but it's like cheap heat. It is. It is. Um. Instead of a instead of a villain doing villainous things, it's it's a bad guy wrestler spinning on the good guy wrestler because you know anyone could do that. Anyone can do that. Anyone can come in and say your local sports team sucks. 
Uh, anyone could go for a below-the-belt shot while the ref's back is turned. It's uh, it's easy. It's easy, and it's not too particularly effective. I remember the low point of the cheap heat in this. Well, there are two competing sort of low-point standards. The first is this recurring panty shot that follows one character, and you don't really care the first time. Well, the first and time the it was obnoxious. It was obnoxious. It was obnoxious. When I say you don't care, you mean it doesn't even earn the reaction that like, they want of, like... They gave us the panty shot. Yeah, it's the teal and white striped ones. What the fuck else did you think? Uh, then, then they gave it to us again, and I was annoyed the first time, and I was insulted the second time. Also, I think they reused. I think they actually reused the image of the panty shot because it's also extraordinarily like lazily animated as a whole scene of the dark. All of those panty shots combined compete with this one shit house moment in the second episode. Where the attacking slimes dissolve all of the mom's clothing and the son clumsily stumbles onto her because that's what you do, I guess. I blame Ken Akamatsu for all of this. I do like, blame he, he is at the beginning of all of this. If you like if you follow it back, Dude, you, you end at Love Hina. And as much as I enjoyed Love Hina, this is Ken Akamatsu's fucking fault. Yeah, I'm not sure if you should send, like, a T-100 after him before Nagima to stop this. Or if you send, like, a T-1000 all the way back to, like, the second chapter of Love Hina. And just get some liquid ter- metal Terminator action on him, you know? It was a show I enjoyed, but I think if it was unwritten from existence, I life would go on. I'd be okay. That thing is a starter domino and a whole bunch of media bullshit. During the episode, we actually talked about whether the dot hack sign guy should be off to prevent this. No, he didn't do anything wrong. No, it's the it's the Sword Art Online guy. This is his fault. The Isekai boom did not happen in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. It happened post-2011. Do you know what happened in fucking 2011? Sword Art Online happened in 2011. Yes. We're now in, like, the second or third wave of Isekai as the genre reacts to itself. God fucking help us all. Yeah, we've already had the biggest earthquake, but we keep getting these fucking tremors. And it just keeps happening. There's you know a really it... weird thing in these Isekai things, by the way. Like every th- With it, them all being in this Dragon Quest world, mm-hmm. despite that, and despite the marketing of it too, theoretically, like, gamers or game-obsessed people, because, you know, this is you... For some reason, I always get the impression during these things, particularly during this one, that they don't particularly play many of these games, like whoever's writing this shit. One of them does. One of these people played these games. Then he told the rest of the writing staff about them. And they took... Okay notes. They took okay notes about it. You know what the jokes about video games in this feel like? It feels like Chris Hardwick saying some dumbass line of the word sports ball in it. Almost. Uh, I mean, maybe not that. I, I see your point. Of, like, Almost condescension, but just it's, like it's not quite as yeah. It's it's not quite as mean spirited as that. It's uh, it's cynical, certainly. Mm. It doesn't actually seem to um hate its audience as much as as much as you're suggesting. Which I guess no, I don't think that's important. Its favor. I think that's that. I think it gets a zero for that. Not a negative. Not a positive. That it doesn't hate. I, its I think that hate would actually lend this thing some more fucking personality. Cause there is a desert in every non fucking your mom thought in this thing's brain. Like maybe it hates the audience in a different way. 
but it, it definitely seems to think that uh, that its audience are morons. Um, and given how popular this thing has become uh, since the beginning of the summer season, there might be some truth to that. Yeah, its audience might be morons. We might be morons for watching it. Oh, I'm certainly a moron for watching it. Yeah, there's no, ask, there's no might in this. It makes me ask some big fucking questions. Like, do I like an? Do you like anime? Do we like anime? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You ask that pound for pound. I don't know that I do. <laughs> Given how much anime I've watched versus how much of it has been terrible and that I've hated and has made me want to die. There's been a lot of that. There's been quite a bit of that. I think this is mostly your fault, though, because you keep sitting me down in front of this shit. I had to watch Conception. Do you have any idea how disgusting that was for me? I kind of wanted to see if you would survive Conception. I want to know what the before and after of Sam Legault and Conception was like. And it was... I didn't understand allosexuals before it, and I still don't understand them now. Oh, there's so there's so much wisdom to be gained from my experiments. I'm really glad I've done this for mankind. Oh, by the way, um, anyone, if I disappear within like two or three weeks of this episode, I, I just want to establish that Sam Mute Monkey Lego is the main suspect in this disappearance of Denard Blind Monkey Dale. I'll co-sign he did this. It. Yeah, no, I will sign off in this. Yeah, it's probably me. He did it. It's very important. And... It's hard to call these little pranks a win because I make him watch these things and then I'm also there watching it. I don't know, DJ Khalid, you played yourself. Isn't it funny how much this hurts? Here's here's the poetically stupid thing, though, is that I suggested that we do Milf Isekai tonight. That was was my call. Yeah, I was impressed. Like, I felt like I trained you to hurt yourself. Like, it's some kind of Pavlovian response at this point. I thought it'd just be, you know, like kind of bad or something, and we could laugh at. No, it. It's cancerously terrible. In fact, I think what separates it from like a Brodemic style experience is that the creative spark is far more cynical. Like, it's it's a bit of a cultural smash and grab. We know these things are in at this time. It's what actually sets it oddly apart from um, either the second worst or still the worst thing we've ever viewed on this, which was, um... Owari no Seraph of the End. Which, um... Owari no Seraph is the story of a writer who could not... who desperately wanted it, but did not have it. Uh, and so he stole it. Mm. This was dreamed up not in a boardroom, but by a man who had done a bunch of math realized oh fuck you know what doesn't exist yet you know what a hole could be filled and could make me money yeah and then he made it this is deep in apocalypse a man crawls from granny's pits and he fumbles through the trash and etched on a single discarded piece of paper is the anti-life equation (laughs) and he distills that shit into a program which is here we are now at Earth like a fucking missile. And fucking Superman jumps up in the middle of the night and thinks, no, it's probably fine. And he goes back to sleep. And we're doomed. And we're doomed because it's not fine. It's not fine. They we are have now, it now. 
we now we're now in mom fuck isekai world once again not milf isekai at least you're not related to random milf like this isn't woman next door isekai this is your mom because your mom. he's you and once again she is just the er mom her thoughts are cooking shopping son here's what happened here's what happened the first thing that happened was i guess um the atomic bombs uh after a couple <laughs> after a couple of decades after a couple of decades we got hentai right um because hentai is drawn and not acted you know you could get away with certain things for instance incest hentai mm. that happens it takes a couple of decades um but american pornography catches on to it uh then Japan catches on to the fact that American pornography has caught on to it. This is science. This is science here. Um, and then this show exists as a result of that. Uh, this is what's known in the uh, in the biz as step fantasy. And um, where do we go from here? <laughs> I don't really know what point I'm trying to prove here, but at the very least, yeah, now you understand this show's lineage. Because it absolutely does not exist if step fantasy did not become a popular porn genre, you know, within the last two, two years. I'm going to go with two years here. Um, also, this was based on a light novel. I don't give a shit how long the light novel's been running. I don't care if I'm factually wrong here. I'm still right. <laughs> yeah, if this is based off of, like, etchings found on a fucking pervert's dorm room wall in 1980 is still just riding the wave of the moment and i remember there was one point i i would almost call it the um incel sublime we took this trip to garden grove and it was they were in a well i don't remember why they were in a well i don't really care why they were in a well but it contrived for two separate characters to be grabbing the mother's breasts at the same time in exact, like, parallel motion. And it almost looked like a fallen world's, like, Virgin Mary image. Like, this is what we will leave behind to describe this era to people. Like, we elected a reality TV star, we filled the oceans of garbage, we burned the Amazon... And then this was the image we left to warn future civilizations. No, this was the image we left to celebrate our own glory. <laughs> because we believed we had done right. <laughs> it was really funny. It made me smile. It was... Another thing that made me I smile... Mean, I mean, it, if, if it made you smile, then it did its job. Because I think they put that in there because they thought it was funny. <laughs> yes, but there's laughing at and with and... I guess this sort of brings us to a debate we had over a line in this... Which was the slimes attack because dragon, as, as dragon they warrior, do dragon quest. Their attack causes her clothes to dissolve. First, it's just her top, yeah, and then we get then we get we we we'd gone into it for 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 a second there. Then we get the the and cynical fucking gag where like they're both covered in slime and they're falling on top of one another. I was like, <laughs> get it? Because like that's how people fuck, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ho hopefully for some of you it moves. Anyway, she drops the line, No, mommy's wearing a thong today. And I've been watching a lot of stand-up lately, and I think only one or two people, like, only, like, Chris Rock, like, Dave Chappelle, like, 
maybe Bilber made me laugh the way that <laughs> the fucking sublime terribleness of that line made me laugh. <laughs> it really was a pure experience. I was I wasn't really sure. I was laughing right with you, and I wasn't really sure if it was because I hated this so fucking much <laughs> that it became funny to me again, or if the joke actually did track. These are the questions we are. Left I think with. I hate it. No, no, I think I hate it. Like I was about, to, I was, we were, we were playing on taking positions here. Denard was gonna be, no, it's just terrible, so much so that it's funny again, and I was gonna try and convince someone. Definitely not me. That maybe this was actually just a one good joke in this show. No, I think. Whoops. I think this was the laughter of a defeated man. Yeah, that's just uh, you know, the brain rattling against its cage. Oh, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. As bad as this show is, as bad as this show gets, as bad as this show still continues to be, there's one thing that could happen that could redeem the entire fucking thing. Just one thing. Just one, one thing. thing. At the end of it all. Because let's back up here. Let's, 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 let's back up here a little bit. Let's back up here. And remind um, remind you people um, that the whole point behind the existence of this, uh, of this isekai that they're in, uh, virtual reality, fully immersive, whatever... He, he, the, the motherfucker, Use the word M like seven times as a running gag. The motherfucker literally got sucked into the computer like this was a fucking cartoon from the 90s on PBS. The whole point of this thing is to grow closer with one's uh, with one's mom. Here's the thing. This all becomes funny again. If at the end of this all, the reason this computer program Isekai exists is to convince him to fuck his mom. <laughs> And yeah. that's the way he wins. If there is a government-sponsored incest program... You just have to fuck your mom. <laughs> it's, only, it's so obvious, don't you? It's so simple. All you had to do this whole time was fuck your mom. Just get horizontal or perpendicular. <laughs> fuck a diagonal. We don't care. We and just want you part were of there. you. And part. you were there. <laughs> oh, man. There are other people in this world, by the way. There are other mother-daughter mother son whatever parents this is entirely a mom child yeah, this, this, world. this seems to just be like the story of one of many of these little parents and if the point of this sorry i really really hope that this is what ends up coming to be i really hope this is canon we because could... that's so fucking funny <laughs> we could dream i could always understand how the show came to be in that case there are so many weird background questions. like okay so everyone in this game is like a mom or someone's kid right so are there just a bunch of dads laughing in their fucking empty houses, bringing their mistresses home, doing cartwheels around the, the fucking house naked because they managed to con the rest of the house into this fucking video game? Yeah, but they're getting cucked by their kids. <laughs> 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 Joke's on them. Oh, oh, man. That is fucking pure. Oh, my God. Imagine what happens, like, when they win... Because they fuck their mom, and then they get just like... Oh, they get warped back to You naked. win! <laughs> and then they have to go back to their lives now. Oh man, that's going to be really awkward to thing to explain to your son slash brother. They do this, they do this, and then this whole thing ended up being a stealth season of Black Mirror. <laughs> if you guys don't have enough fun with striking vipers, get ready for this shit.
Side note, the whole Black Mirror thing, striking vipers. There would totally be griefers who, like, invite you to have sex and beat your ass, right? This is the one about, like, the two bros who um, who have their characters have sex, but it's not gay cause, because it's in-game, right? That That's the one? It, it is that one, and okay. I feel like that would happen a lot. Like, the whole world of sexual griefing opens up almost more questions than the original premise. I could talk about this, but I'd actually have to watch Black Mirror, and I don't think I want to. Fair enough. I ironically have only seen that episode of Black Mirror <laughs> making me the worst consumer they could ask for, because it's just that image of Char Aznable saying, I came here to laugh at you. <laughs> I have not come to Black Mirror in good faith. I have that image on my keychain. I might make that my cell phone background. I don't know why it's not. It has been the profile picture of many, many different accounts on many different platforms of mine throughout the last 10, 15 years or so of my life. It's strong, it's strong. I kind of want to work into my upcoming birthday party somehow, but I haven't figured out exactly how I'm going to do it. But it'll be there. Definitely let me know. It was my, it was my, uh, my Google avatar for, until very recently, until I realized that, um, I had to send work emails now. Ah. And these are the these are what my coworkers, immediate superiors, people who could decide my uh, my immediate financial future uh, saw when I emailed them. They saw a, a blonde anime dude in bluff shades uh, telling telling them that he's here to laugh at them. So I uh, I had to change. Really, it out. that sounds very promotable to me. Well, I mean, he promotes himself. True, true. You know, I guess through, we, through murder. It doesn't work that well outside of a wartime scenario. Unless some of you guys out there get inventive. If you kill your boss and get promoted and don't get caught, send a drop us a line. Use a pseudonym, but drop us a line. We're very interested in hearing about that. We'll tell your story. The other thing we watched, and I think the only reason we did not give up on anime as a whole this week, was a, an older thing, a classic thing. Now, um, now more than 10 years old. Now more than 10 years old. Weird, right? It's actually my first time seeing it. Did you ever catch it before? I do not believe I did. So this is my first time seeing Sword of the Stranger. Damn fine film. It's almost bizarre that I have never seen this thing before because I'm actually a deep lover of like live action anime, whatever, martial arts films. Like that's just always been something I've had a lot of affinity for. I I know I love... I love the Bruce Lee stuff, the Jet Lee stuff, Tony Jaa, Uko Iwai, all that shit. Uko Iwai kind of ruined action, like the action genre for me, because nothing will ever approach the Raid or the Raid 2. Those two things are fucking achievements. The only, one of the only ways of like action on a similar wavelength didn't manage to keep the plot up the way those two did. Like, The Night, the night Comes for Us is a great movie, It's a great fucking Watch film. Watch that fucking movie. And Iku is in it, and it's probably the most violent film I have ever watched in a long history of watching violent films. Yeah. So, um, this is a less oh, violent... Oh, right, yeah, anime. Yeah, but yeah this is a um, less violent movie, but it's very artfully done. It's a very artful movie, I want to say. It's very well directed. Yeah. Very pristine movie. It is a... It has a, a lot of it has a sort of slow meditative face that is that would be anathema to like a comedy podcast if I wasn't fucking great. I mean, if you're so great, do you have talking points for this one? Because I don't. Oh yeah, sure. So my first thought was as this movie opened to a uh, village in a dire strait, I just thought to myself, man, being just a village before gunpowder in a movie, just a rookie mystic, like, why are you doing that? Get your shit together. You know how this is going to end for you. There will be fire. There will be man standing above you on a horse someone's actions will be inspired for the future. 
I don't know. Do we need to really outline it? It's sort of an older film. It was a film that I had really only heard of until we watched it just this last week. Yeah, I so, actually was originally exposed to it by, um, it was a YouTuber. Um, what was it? Gigguk. I, I was watching this right oh, Gigguk. Gigguk. And he was okay, talking, yeah. he had this video about fight scenes, and I like fight scenes because mm-hmm. I know I'm compensating for some surging ball of violence in the back of my psyche. I mean, aren't we all? And this was cited as just one of the best ones of all time within the whole anime spectrum. And in terms of fight choreography, in terms of fight choreography, yeah, specifically that's that fight towards the end that he has with the uh, blonde assassin. I put it in my top five. Yeah, it is extremely well done. And something that's interesting, sort of thematically, with this movie is that it is the most international feudal Japan martial arts movie you'll ever see. It's fascinating. You get. Because, like, the it, main character is basically, like, you find out halfway through that he must be, like, European Dutch or, or Irish or something. He's, he has red he has red hair. He dyes his hair to blend in and everything. There are Chinese assassins who are these sort of, not assassins, like, a, me, a, a medley of Chinese warriors, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Dispatched to, like, try to get this thing for the emperor. There's this kid who secretly from China came to Japan. It's like... No, no, it's he, all... he's from Japan, lived in China, came back to Japan, knows Chinese. Yeah, this thing is like Thor Ragnarok in terms of, like, it could use immigrant song without irony and it would just make sense. But yeah. but the basic premise here is that there are these... There's this Chinese group looking for this one kid because they want to kill him to make this thing that the emperor thinks will make him immortal it obviously won't but you know it's the values of the era and they never end up getting to do it spoilers sorry they never end up getting to oh yeah the protagonist kicks too much because because uh because the protagonist is too much of a goddamn monster (laughs) yeah like holy shit yeah it um picks up that cowboy film influence and that instead of in this case the man of no name is just called no name in the movie like Mm -hmm. they refer to him as no name a few times we're gonna be referring to a lot of people by their uh by their physical features in this one because um this movie does a whole lot of things it does not drop names too amazingly often definitely not often enough that i learned everyone's name um, yeah, I would call this the uh, polar opposite of the hilarious thing that happened in Handshakers where they dropped proper nouns every 14 seconds. <sighs> oh, he has fond memories of Handshakers, which he totally would have watched of his own free will without knowing me. Yes, lovely, lovely show for lovely people. Loved watching it. Fun time for everyone. Somehow it was still better than fucking Milfizaka. But over here in sort of the Stranger Land, obviously its strongest weapon is direct, straight on direction. It's amazingly well directed, yeah beautifully animated they keep the story sort of to a uh, simple sort of bare bones thing aside from a few clever turns well there was a whole lot of um what would you call it uh intrigue going on true true, uh, up until the climax of the film where you've got let's say three or so three discrete groups with their own agendas that are kind of circling around this one boy and the uh the ronin who sort of it takes up with him, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's a, I guess that's a sort of theme or structure that comes to a lot of martial arts movies across various different grades. Like, there's a complex political world, and then there's a guy whose bad motherfucker is just stronger than the political tur- currents of their era. Do you want this fight? I don't think you want this fight. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got it's got that flavor. You know, sometimes Captain America is just in an elevator and he's like, hmm, decline of the American Empire. I could punch through that. <laughs> I want to say there are a lot of clever small moments in the movie that I like. There was this interaction with a monk, which is sort of a character moment coming into No Name's backstory as a murderer for various forces. 
and it there's also just the question of this of the monk trying to get his own complicity this monk ends up killing himself and i enjoy that scene because i don't know i'm like four out of five richard dawkins on the fucking atheist (laughs) scale but that's a whole other thing um there was a very enjoyable sequence where a noble the bad guy I guess both established political factions are sort of bad guys. The Chinese faction talks about using this one lord as a bait or a distraction. And then the Japanese guy just fucking shoots him as soon as he gets put up on the post. It's like, oh, okay, uh, it's on in South Park terms. It's on now. the dance-off. Let's go. What happened with me when we were watching this? Um, we, uh, we were working with uh, some limited time here. We ended up watching the dub. I know. Which was done by the Ocean Group, I'm pretty sure, um, who've done the dubs for various different Gundam shows uh, throughout the ages. I Oh yeah, notably um, Gundam Double O. Gundam Double O. I would w- say one of our favorites because it's very good, but there's a lot of really lot good of really Gundam. Fantastic. I have nothing to say. A lot of really fantastic Gundam out there. If you're getting into Gundam, I would always recommend Gundam Double O. Very approachable, very, uh, very introduces the concepts of the franchise without a whole lot of the baggage that it's accrued across the decades um but but the point being is that uh it, it also has just uh, like a really rock solid dub i've always mm. thought which is very much helped by uh the inimitable uh scott mcneil uh who uh, yes. voiced in uh gundam double o the character ali al Sachez, who is this fantastic um monster of a human being the crux of the ali al Sachez <laughs> character is that he likes war crimes. He the likes way war crimes and getting paid Pringles. for them. And yeah. man, is he is he theatrical about it? This guy is this guy is great. This guy is he's having so much fun. He's he's so happy to be here, you know, killing people uh, and burning cities. And he has this kind of delivery, kind of like this kid. Yeah. Um, and he, um, Scott McNeil uses, uh, he, he's in the dub for, uh, sort of the stranger playing the, um, if not the main antagonist, then definitely the heavy. And the guy who you always knew was going to be the final boss fight at the end, the Chinese assassin who seems to be of European origin. It's mentioned every now and again. And he uses, um, yeah. oh, the guy, the guy is literally the... like blonde, literally like blonde square jaw. Like yeah, no, absolutely. They make, a, they make a point. There's a whole thing where the master considers him a barbarian and dudes from dudes probably from Sweden. Yeah. Uh, I, I would figure uh, probably or Swedish descent. I don't know. Like I, I could I could I could sort of see him being a member of the Varangian Guard who and, somehow made it even further east. Yeah, it's kind of a funny movie in that I'm pretty sure it's more diverse than most things said in the present. <laughs> mm. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Scott McNeil voices this character. Yeah. Uh, he uses very much the same voice that he used for Ali al Sachez. Right. So I was always, always waiting for this guy to start committing the war crimes. And the thing is that he's he's not that guy. Yeah, he's not that guy. He's just a he's... guy out there for the fight of his life. And, you know, he'll kill people if he's in combat with them. He'll, you know, he'll give them an advantage if he feels like, you know, that it'd make things more interesting. And he's kind of disgusted by the fact that they seem to be sacrificing this child so that, you know, this do-nothing emperor across the ocean can uh, can live for even longer than he uh, th- than he was going to. Certainly, like, longer than he really deserves to. Yeah, the Ali al Sasha's voice leaves you hilariously astray. Like, I'm wondering how many kids is he going to kick into a well. He was just a guy and... who wanted a good fight, and he got one. Does he even kill that many people? I don't... 
He kills, well, he, kills a, he kills a lot of people in self-defense. He in kills a decent scene, amount of people. Which is a wonderful action sequence by like watching oh, yeah. him watching him move. They um, give him um, a lot of the good flips. He's very, uh, I don't know, ricochet. Yeah, that's accurate. But the other such thing is funny because like, his only act of betrayal in this movie is when this selfish old dick who's been calling him a barbarian literally the entire movie is about to just jip him out of a fight by shooting him with a gun so he can kill this kid. And he sort of weighs like, okay, this is order. I've worked with my entire life. Or I could have this bad Or I could have this bad fucking fight. So he kills the old man who is about to kill the um the stranger slash no name. Um and yeah. yes, no, as as you said, um as you said, uh, take this fight that he was that he could have away from him. <laughs> so the uh the the, the 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 old man is I guess um technically the, the main antagonist of this flick, but you kind of know how this is going to end from the second you see uh from this oh god. I'm sorry. I really should have taken a little bit more time to um to look up and memorize the um the names of all these characters because like I said they're dropped maybe once or twice mm. um, throughout the movie, and there's a lot of them. Point being, uh, the, the the whole film has this fun sort of um, inevitability to it where you sort of know exactly how it is going to end. Yeah. It... Um, and you, you sort of... Uh, and the surprises are sort of watching, um, watching the end unfold before you as all of these people get caught up in this inevitable um, sword fight that's going to happen. And I've got to say, that um, final sword fight that YouTube pointed me at, or I should just name the guy again, because whenever someone points you towards content and you sort of scalp it, maybe you should give it a shout-out. I don't know, is that like citations in an academic paper, like just fucking social media shouts? Fuck it, whatever. No, weeb shout-out weebs. It's a weeb empowerment or something. Yeah, yeah, weeb empowerment, like perpetual weeb motion. I... Watching that scene reminded me of a nice little article that um, Film Crit Hulk wrote before he went fucking crazy. And it was just about like his theories on what comprised a good fight scene. And this scene, Sword of the Stranger, had almost everything. Like It had the psychology, it had the style, it had a sense of geography. The geography stood out for me in a lot of the action in this movie, actually. Yeah. It, uh, Especially they when always... he's falling off that tower and they just use the shape of the whole thing very well. Well, not just the final fight scene, but pretty much... Yeah, yeah no, like you're saying, pretty much every fight scene in this uh, in this flick has uh, some interesting piece of geography to it uh, that makes it you know all the more interesting, whether it be... Um, whether it be as simple as it takes place on a bridge and there's a very real danger of falling off this bridge during mm. the fight to, um, yeah, the, the quickly collapsing, um, sacrifice or sacrificial altar that they built that's about the size of, you know, a, uh, a tower to, um, the rooftops to the, um, the, the interior, the kind of cramped, um, claustrophobic interior of an old Buddhist shrine kind of yeah, earlier on yeah. in the film. They very much, they very much like knew how um how to write an interesting fight in this film and kind of flex that um pretty much everywhere. There was a point that came up when you were watching it actually um that almost draws him to strength of those old Jackie Chan flicks kind of. Like we always make jokes about him with a ladder and a baby, but because those movies used him having a ladder or a baby or a very baby. well, and I guess it's it's less silly here, but it's very effective. It's really fun watching um. Jackie Chan flicks, um, and sort of the the kind of Jackie Chan flick. What would you call it? Fight style choreography. Rumble in the Bronx Core. Rumble, Rumble the Bronx Core type thing. Like, 
what was really surprising to me was seeing it in The Last Jedi a couple years back. Mm. Uh, just, you know, the fight in the throne room. However you felt about that film and, like, no, I'm... I loved it, but, you know... I like, mean, I thought it, it was great, too. Uh, but uh, that whole fight in the throne room towards... Uh, towards Honestly, it was only the end of the second act. That was a very long movie. Mm. Um, was, like, getting straight longer, yeah. the fuck out of a Jackie Chan flick. Especially with, like, the way that, you know, the various different royal guards are introduced with their various, like, weapons, each one yeah. of them more terrifying than the last. Uh, it, it, it's sort of fun watching uh, watching that movie's DNA in action. That is also the case in this film as well. It's interesting as a modern viewer and modern person and, I don't know, somewhat young. Is 27 young? Let's pretend 27 is young so I can kill myself. 27... It's been feeling pretty old to me. I don't know about you. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like an infant. But from that perspective, it's interesting seeing something that clearly was very influential after that. Mm -hmm. This seems to be just a guiding line in the way just a lot of sword combat is animated. It probably had my favorite animated sword fight. What's it up against here? What's it up against here? Up against here? I was, I was thinking about um when Gendy Tartakovsky did I was thinking, Wars yeah, business. Star Wars Clone Wars. There um, was an Anakin Ventress thing that just went through the whole entire silent temple fight, rain against the lightsabers, all that. And, you know, whatever, wherever your fetishes lie, you know, rate whatever better. Another really good contender here is also Gendy Tarkovsky, the Escape from Galaluna episode of Symbionic Titan. That was quality. It was quality. That one was also one that leaned on the story about it very well in terms of the place yes. momentum. That was a good draw. But as, once again, as a viewer of all of these modern sword fights, it's interesting seeing something that this person has obviously seen and thinks about as they make their own slashy stabby material. 2007 was a fantastic year for anime, I'm realizing now. That was like Gurren Lagann, that was um, Gundam Double O, that was this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure was, Code uh, Geass was happening around 2007. It might have been the year after. It was a time where everything felt possible, and you didn't have to have put someone in a dragon quest to fuck their mom. But, uh... Actually, no, that's sort of a declinism kind of thing. There were different shitty things going on in there. Were different, there were different... Like, there definitely were. I think um the harem genre was, like operating at full fucking capacity um true back then yeah. uh back back in like the mid to late 2000s and most of it was crap too yeah harem is i guess everyone has different I don't know, psychological switches but harem was always one i could barely even understand the appeal of you did a good job of explaining it to me once like it's the idea of like someone like being wanted everywhere being like that guy it's it's yeah no it's 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 um it's honestly not even that complicated yeah it's not that complicated i'm just it's fucking so it's weird it's so very simple uh and so very base that you think that anyone could see through it same thing with isegai but no they don't because in fact people do want to feel like this mm. and it seems like it's wrong to shame them for it but their desire really fun. Like their does... desires have given us such shitty media. To me, the whole Isekai thing. We'll get back to Sword of Stranger in a second, but I just want to shit on this genre a little bit more <laughs> before we do our next episode, which will be dedicated to shitting on Isekai. Before we move on with our lives for like I don't know five weeks or so. To me, all the Isekai shittiness. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have a foot fetish, right? But, like, if Foot Fetish took over a medium for three years, like, there's just a constant rain of feet shows. 
And there were, like, hack feet dynamics within it. And, like, after the third year, we just sort of, like, hop right into the feet. And they'd, like, give you a token explanation of, like, okay, we're watching a feet movie right now. Okay, cool. Well, we don't need to make any more excuses or anything. Okay, all right, let's get going here. To me, that's what it feels like. Like, I am just besieged by feet. And there's a Quentin Tarantino joke you can make here, but once I was upon wondering, a like, time who, in I was, Hollywood is great. So. I was always wondering which one of us was going to make the Quentin Tarantino joke Oh, I mean, it's going to be me. Kill Bill Volume 1 is my favorite movie. I've got to just jump right on that. It's like a up glowing it's, fucking it's sun. definitely up there for me. I'm, I'm not sure it's my favorite. It's, it, I, don't, I actually don't actually. Final? Don't hate me. I don't even think it's my favorite Tarantino film. I think that might be Inglorious Yeah, I was going to say, you're an Inglorious friend. I, mean, like, I could smell I, it on you. I, this guy loves his history, which sort of helps him with this movie, actually. Yes, it was interesting kind of like trying to date this movie. I think eventually they just tell you when it is because like the Ming Dynasty is happening. It seems to be the work. It's like it's the 1500s. This movie takes place in the 1500s. Um Getting... You know, a Nobunaga is off, you know, Nobunaga, you know, somewhere <laughs> outside the context of this movie, uh, which is yeah, why just having you know, a whole party, which is why a foreign, uh, a foreign, what, what would you call it? Cadre was allowed sort of in, uh, you know, this daimyo was, you know, able to give them permission in because there really is no central authority. There's a lot going on and it's mostly generating it's bodies. Like really cool. Yeah. Yeah, this movie has a uh, cool eye for history. It um, has a nice reminder that every now and then people just sort of drifted. <laughs> when did Samurai Shampoo air? That was way earlier than this, right? Samurai Shampoo? It was like some sometime after Cowboy Bebop, which is mid to late 90s. Yeah, I want to say it was like early 2000s, right? Sorry, this is not really related to... Well, it's only tangentially related. It comes up in our brains because it's just another good slashy stabby show. Slashy stabby samurai show. But yeah, this movie was a breath of fresh air after we submerged ourselves as far into the garbage can as we have gone. Until next week, when I make Sam watch Isekai Quartet. And a second thing, probably. I mean, if we're watching Isekai Quartet, I think we... There's been too much ink spilled over Konosuba. There's nothing we could really add to it. I think I might just watch that on my own time just to make myself a little bit I mean, bit we could happy. add to it. I do really love the rich flavor of my own voice. But we could talk about anything. Sure. Well, we'll figure it out and we'll let you know. Until then, this has been Weeaboo Hell. And it's Weeaboo Hell. It's Weeaboo Hell. I am Denard Blind Monkey Dale. I am Sam Mute Monkey Lego. Fun fact about those names, by the way. We have a very lazy friend who at one point was Deaf Monkey. There was a whole, like, hear no evil, speak no evil, see no evil. And the website's seenoevil.com. Well, I can see more evil now because I thought that was cool or whatever. Yeah, he's probably asleep right now. I think he's asleep right now or playing Overwatch. Or playing Overwatch. <laughs> but yeah, we love him. We love all you people. Probably, well, not all of you. Some of you watch Isekai. <laughs> Have a great weekend. Okay, so this is the volume I normally talk at when we're doing an episode, and that looks like a waveform. Okay, this is the volume that I normally talk at, which I think is comparatively, uh, comparatively quieter. Looks okay to me. These look like comparably thick lines yeah those lines are thick
All right. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. I'm going to try to do that thing where you make a penis with the waveforms. Ah! Yeah, that's a dick. Yeah, I did. You made a waveform dick. <laughs> Let's see, man. It's kind of girthy. Or actually, it's more, maybe it's more of a big testicle base. It's, like, you got some big-ass balls right there. Yeah, those are cancer balls. Those... <laughs> Your doctor just looked at them, shook his head twice, and asked you where you want to take your last vacation. <laughs> they can do all kinds of make-a-wish shit for you if you want. All right, are we drinking any more during this, or? This is all we got. Okay. My white claw's empty. <sighs> his white claw is empty. He's trying to, he's trying to deal with the, his, his new life.